You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. And welcome to Sunday Coffee. We're talking about Mississippi State's 45-14 win yesterday over Bowling Green. I'm Bart Gregory, along with Charlie Winfield. We're in the Farm Bureau Studios, or Charlie is in the Farm Bureau Studios in downtown Startville. I'm in the Farm Bureau Studios in southern Winston County this morning, drinking my tall boy of Strange Brew Coffee that I brewed from the grounds that I picked up at Strange Brew Coffee House. You can order that at strangebrewcoffeehouse.com. And uh, you can order the pods, you can order the mugs, you can order T-shirts. I order the coffee, and I also order the the pods. And Charlie, this morning, I did not put any creamer nor sugar. I am drinking it straight black, the blueberry-flavored coffee. That's not straight black if it's blueberry-flavored. Straight black is straight black. So don't try to come on my tough guy side of the road with that stuff. I'm willing to go to bat for this one. I'm willing to say as long as nothing is added to the brewed coffee, it is considered black coffee. And so it could be any different kind of coffee out there that you buy on the shelf or you buy different kinds at Strange Brew. But as long as you don't add anything to it after it passes through the filter and into the pot, I'm saying that is black coffee. Okay, so your theory is that as long as they do it, before it comes out of the pod, that it counts as straight black. That's what you're telling me. That's exactly what I'm saying. We're going to need an official ruling on this one. Yeah, we are. All right, so yesterday, Charlie, for all intents and purposes, I thought, and we are in the Farm Bureau studios, go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com, agents all across the state of Mississippi. Great customer service. Saw a bunch of Farm Bureau agents at the game yesterday. Farm Bureau, go with the home team, home, life, auto, whatever you're in the market for in the insurance world, go by and see our friends or call our friends at your local Farm Bureau. Of course, Strange Brew has three locations. Strange Brew with the Spring Street and Highway 12 location in Startville. They have a location on University Drive just outside the Cotton District. And then they also have the location in Tupelo. They call it Brupolo, Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. Today's a great day around 2 o'clock, halftime of the NFL game, say at 1.30, to go get you a big old bowl of, hey, I guess if you like just black coffee, you like just plain old vanilla ice cream. Absolutely. Vanilla is a highly underrated flavor. Just plain Jane, just plain Jane vanilla. Yeah, I mean, I'm not limiting myself to that. Okay with chocolate, I'm okay with strawberry. Mint chocolate chip, I think, is probably the highest form of ice cream. But, you know, I can I can do some other things. But vanilla is just underrated. Okay. You can get it in a waffle cone as well at uh, Churn and Spoon Ice Cream. And so, all right, Charlie, uh, yesterday we kind of did what we needed to do. If you'd have told me before the game started we're going to win 45-14, to 14, I'd say, hey, that hits the cover. We were a 31-point favorite. I would have taken it. And looking back at the game, we just kind of overwhelmed them early. Good win yesterday. It was. I know that sometimes people look and they say, well, you were only playing Bowling Green, but you can only play the team on the field against you. And as far as the team on the field against us goes, 
I thought we did pretty well. If you look at it, in the first half of the ball game, we scored on five of our six possessions, scored in two out of three coming out of the dressing room. So, yeah, I mean, defense held them to 6-3 and outs. I mean, yeah, I mean, what what's to be mad about? Yeah, I thought the defense was big as well. I guess we can look at our numbers first that uh, we talked about in our Friday deep dig. Uh, deep dig brought to you by our friends at Tracks Plus on Friday. And Charlie, I know that you have your elbow double jointed this morning, patting yourself on the back because you're ready to spike the football because you got all three numbers right. Yeah, although I'll say this, I think to keep these numbers in some perspective, it's not a matter of being a predictor of what is going to happen, but it is a desire for us to do something. So this is what I wanted us to do. It wasn't necessarily that I was predicting us to do it. The first number two that I had was the number of quarterbacks I wanted to see play. We did that. Uh, There's been some fairly robust discussion on the internet Message boards, Twitter, and what have you. And, man, I looked on Facebook. Well, you talk about robust discussion. I didn't know those groups were out there. I've learned a few things. But wanted to see two quarterbacks. The question is, how soon would you see Sawyer Robertson? For some people, it wasn't soon enough. I don't care. We saw two. That was my number, so that was my first one. Yeah, I didn't have any thought about when who came in where yesterday. I'm just glad we got to play Sawyer Robertson and uh, get him some snaps, you know, just in case you had to have him. My second number was also two, and that was the number of sacks that I wanted to see us limit uh, our, to giving up our offensive line to hold itself to, and we allowed two sacks. And one of those came late in the game, so felt pretty good there. Uh, and then the last one, this one we got on in a hurry – And that was touchdowns from outside the red zone. I wanted to see us have two of those. In fact, we had two in the first four minutes of the football game. We then had a 53-yard field goal, so another score from outside the red zone. And then in the second quarter, a 26-yard touchdown pass. So all told, four scores for Mississippi State outside the red zone yesterday. Yeah, I tweeted you after that second one. Or was it after the first? I think it was after the second one. And you were like, my day is done here. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, so yesterday you had those big plays. And so you hit on two, two, and two. And so my numbers, my first number was one. And it was we really needed to have one or fewer three and outs. And looking back at the game yesterday, and the reason I said that was we just need to sustain some drives and, and just kind of get our offense precision back. We had one three and out against Memphis. We had three against Arizona. We had three three and outs against LSU. And yesterday we only had one three and out, and that was the last drive of the game. We sustained some drives. We had some short drives we scored on. But we only had one three and out, and that was the last possession. Sawyer Robertson in at quarterback. And so, Charlie, I submit to you in a 45-14 game with backups in the game that even though I did hit that number, I wanted to limit to one or less, and we did hit that number, that I would say that we really didn't have any three and outs yesterday. Well, I'm looking at the stat sheet, and I'm looking at the drive summary, and it says three and outs, and there's a one there. And and it's going to be there forever. So – I get it. Maybe that's not the spirit of what you were looking for. But nevertheless, it's a hit. 
I thought so. The second number I had was 15, and that was the number of tackles, missed tackles I was looking for us to force against the Bowling Green team that missed 31 tackles against UCLA in week one, especially in their secondary and had difficulties there making tackles in the secondary. I said 15 missed tackles. Bowling Green only had 11 missed tackles yesterday, which is the fewest they've had all season long. So my question there, Charlie, is is we only forced four missed tackles against LSU last week, Bowling Green with only 11 in the game yesterday. Is that something that you see as a cause for concern, or is that just who we are? No, I don't think so, and I've, I've got two reasons for that, at least as it relates to this one game. First of all, we only ran 64 offensive plays in this game, and at least I want to say about 12 of those were run by your second team. So first things first, we didn't have that many plays. So if we're going to take out the second team plays, and now we're going to drop it down to somewhere, let's say 55, well, seven more of those plays were scoring plays. One of those was field goal. We didn't have that many plays that we ran to run that number up yesterday. The second thing that I would say is missed tackles are great, but there's also something to be said for dragging a defender for a ways, and I thought we did a good job yesterday. I think of a play at Tulu. We got it to him on a little screen pass. He had three guys hit him, but he was pulling and ended up gaining three yards when there was nothing there. Doesn't go in the book as a missed tackle because the guy was riding along, but I thought, I thought we were fine there. Okay. Well, my third number, and I said at the time this was going to be a high number, and I really, you know, didn't mean it to be this high. I was just trying to exaggerate, kind of exaggerating a little bit. But I was talking about the number of targets with inside receivers in the game yesterday. And I said we only we needed to have at least 25 targets with our inside slot receivers. We had 16 yesterday. So 16. I said I've I thought maybe 20, but I was like, well, I'll go back to 25. And the reason is only 14 targets last week out of our 40 targets went to slot receivers. Austin Williams only had one target last week against LSU. And so I said, you know, let's let's get that number up to 25. I was pretty much saying we needed to attack between the numbers more. And you look at the numbers yesterday, Will was 20 of 25 in between the numbers out to 20 yards. And he was 20 for 25, 80% after having the tough time last week, only 27% in that same area. So, anyway, yeah, I know I said 25. I really meant around, you know, 16. That's kind of what I meant, Charlie. Oh, so when I was saying, are you sure about 25? And, oh, boy, 25 is a lot. And you were saying, yes, I'm sure about it. You really meant 16. I'm just saying if I'm sitting in front of a subcommittee of Congress, I am saying I don't recall or I have no recollection of making that statement, sir. It's never a bad answer. Never a bad answer. So my numbers were 1, 15, 25. I hit on one of the three. And like you said, Charlie, this is not these are not numbers that we need to have to win. These are just something that we kind of want to see, and I wanted to see us attack the middle of the field a little bit more yesterday. And, of course, that those three numbers were on our Tracks Plus deep dig on Friday. Tracks Plus with five locations. You've got the location in Hickory, Mississippi, Startwell in Columbus, then down in Summit, Mississippi, Alexandria, Louisiana, and now over in Bessemer, Alabama, that uh, great Saney equipment, the Saney excavators and mini excavators, the Barco equipment for the Forester, 
Demi Seamoff, the mulching heads they have, but of course a lot of new and used equipment. A lot of used equipment down at that center down in Hickory, Mississippi. You can also rent equipment now. They're taking equipment all over the place right now for the uh, for the guys who are needing to rent equipment. And so go by and see our good friends at Tracks Plus and go to TracksPlus.com. All right, Charlie, now we get into the five plays, five big plays, obscure plays in the game, not scoring plays that we think were big in this game. The first play that I think of is the third down and four, our first drive. The thing we need to do is to get our mojo back. After last week having a tough time on offense, we need to score on that first drive. And on our first drive, we have third down and four at the Bowling Green 45. And Will checks down. He gets Dylan Johnson in the middle of the field. He gets five yards. He gets the first downs. We keep the chains moving. Now, Mike Leach probably goes for it on fourth and short at the Bowling Green 45, but take that away. Take that opportunity away. But getting the first down, moving the chains, we end up scoring on that 22-yard pass to Caleb Ducking on the first drive, take a 7 nothing lead. I thought the big play in that drive was converting our first third down. Yeah, I agree with that. I thought that was a big play. My first big place, the second overall, we've gone up 14 to nothing, and we've kicked off to Bowling Green. They have it at their 11. They throw a seven-yard pass, and now they're out at the 18-yard line on a second three. They take a gain up the middle for two yards, and now it's third and one, Bowling Green at their own 20. They're down 14 to zero. They try to go up the middle to Patterson on the second straight play, This time, though, no gain. Colin Duncan, Randy Charlton make the tackle, brings up fourth and one. So instead of getting their defense a little time to rest, instead of maybe putting a drive together, Bowling Green goes three and out and has to punt. But that third and one play, the big play for me. And here's the thing, too. Scott Leffler, the head coach, we didn't talk about that, did not make the trip. He had some medical issues. We'll be back for the game next week. They expect him back next week. And so you have the substitute teacher. You have the interim head coach yesterday. And if it's fourth and one from your own 20, hey, you may you may roll the dice if you're an assistant coach in your first head coaching situation as an interim coach. But the last thing you're going to do is go for it on fourth and one from your own 20. Never going to happen. That's one you got to have been around a while and be getting a much bigger paycheck to make those kind of calls. Yes. The third play for me is the ensuing drive. It's 14 to nothing. We've just got the ball back on that punt. We've gotten the ball into Bowling Green territory at the 41, and we have a fourth down and four. And so we go for it on fourth down and four. At that time, it's only 14 to nothing. You think, you? hey, it's a big difference in going ahead three scores and two. We go for it, and Will Rogers throws a 12-yard out route to Caleb Ducking down to the 29-yard line. Will threw the ball before Ducking had made his cut. That was not a situation of we're going to wait and see when a guy's open and then throw it. And Will threw that ball to create separation and to make him open, and that goes back to the word precision Working in the offseason, these guys throw so many balls out there. I thought just the way that play unfolded, the way he threw that out route, you have to have a lot of confidence in yourself and your wide receiver picking up that fourth down and four down to the 29-yard line to keep that drive alive, to go ahead 17 to nothing. I thought that was massive. I thought that was a beautiful pass. You hear the term all the time like throwing a guy open. That's what happened right there. I thought that was just a beautiful play. 
So my next big play comes in the second quarter. If there was a low point for us in this ball game, by the way, I think it was that we get George Georgiopoulos to put a punt down at the three. And then Bowling Green goes on a drive. It was aided by a couple of penalties. But they have a 97-yard touchdown drive against us. It's made it 17-7. to And for a moment there, you kind of had the this feeling of, even though you knew you were going to win, is this going to be a messier ball game? Is this going to be a game where we don't play that well? I thought one of the things that helped put an end to that right there was Bowling Green kicks off. It comes down to the four-yard line. Tulu takes it, returns it 42 yards, and now all of a sudden our offense is back on the field starting at the 46. Here basically at midfield, five plays later, you're in the end zone. It just feels different to me to start at the 46 there than if you'd have taken a touchback and you got it at your 25. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, man, Tulu is a spark plug. You saw it on the first play of the game, coming inside, 21 yards on the first play. Every time he touches the ball, man, that dude's electric. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was you know, that was big, too, to kind of put us back in a position to make some plays and wrestle back that momentum that Bowling Green has just gotten with that long touchdown drive. It's just, it's just fun to watch, isn't it? You know, you don't see as much happen in the kick game, the punt return game anymore. Tulu is a guy that gives you a chance to be excited when another team has to kick off. I, I like watching him play. And to me, the fifth and final big play of the game, and it's crazy, all these plays happen in the first half because I think that's when the game pretty much was over. We can all you know attest to that. I think in that drive, we got second down and four from the 29, and we throw a, pl- a pass to Jameer Calvin for three yards and it sets up third down and one. If that pass goes incomplete, if it's batted down at the line of scrimmage, and you've got fourth down and four, Raven has already hit a 53-yarder. If it's fourth down and four, are you setting up for another field goal? What are you doing? Is your play call different? Well, the play call on third down and one allows you to go down the field a little bit more. And what do we do? We get isolation one-on-one with Ducking coming across the middle, and he catches a 26-yard touchdown, and boom, the game's over. We're going ahead 24 to 7. But I thought little things, the little things of the game, everything sequential, as we always talk about, Charlie Winfield, having third down and one instead of third and four. I thought that second and four play, getting the ball to Calvin, getting it close to the first down was a big play. I think it absolutely affects your play call right there because, you know, if you're in a third and four situation, what you're probably doing is just trying to get five yards and move the chains. Third and one, you think, hey, even if we miss here, We can come back and run the football, get that yard on fourth down. Uh, I think that's that's another good one. And so our five big plays right there brought to you by our friends at Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford, if you're going to Cannon Ford, they got new used cars. They also have the body shop. They also have the service center. They got more and more cars on the lot right now and just a great sales staff. Their customer service is second to none. But if you're looking for a spray and bed liner, if you're looking to get an oil change, if you're looking to change out some windshield wipers, if you're like a lot of people in my family and you can't even trade out windshield wipers, go by and see your friends at Cannon Ford of Startwell right there on 182, just east of town. 
Go by and see your friend Chris Keene. Ask for Chris. Tell him that Bart and Charlie sent you by. And so, Cannon Ford, our five big five big plays. Charlie, when did you think this game was over? What's the turning point for you? We like to talk about our turning point of the game. What did you think the turning point was? And we're not going to say anything like dog walk or anything like that. Well, I was going to say dog walk. I was going to say when the doors opened to the bus at the junction yesterday and our guys got out, when you see the way that we started that game, scoring on our first three drives, forcing three three and outs on their first three drives, you could kind of tell we had our stuff together yesterday. And so I'm going to say that's what I would say is – when they were slapping hands with the 11-year-olds walking down the dog walk yesterday, that's when the game was over. I thought it was over. Yeah, I, look, to some degree it was over before it started, right? That's, there was no doubt who was going to win that football game. But if you just look at it as it unfolded, I thought it was over when we went up 24-7. Now, I don't think they were ever going to be a threat. But I thought when we scored that touchdown, that was kind of the – all right, let's start looking for the concession stand and let's start to hydrate a little bit. I, I thought once that happened, it was it was over. I tell you what, I thought when we went ahead three scores and went ahead seventeen to nothing, after we had forced the three three and outs, and when we hit the fifty three yard field goal, it's one thing to stand on the sideline and know that hey, it's it's two possession game, and I know it's early in the game. Anything can happen. When you see a guy trot out there after you've kind of had it shoved down your throat and you can't make a play offensively and a guy pops a 53-yard field goal, how about that, man? How about Ben Rabin yesterday just knocking that thing through? I think you could make an argument, too, that one of our key plays in the ball game was that field goal. And not because that you got the score, but because you kicked a 53-yard field goal. And we got a bunch of conference games. You know, the, the schedule doesn't get easier. And so now all of a sudden you may be in a ball game where somebody's got to make one to win it. I think it's helpful to have done it on the field in a game situation. I don't care how many you kick on the fields over behind the seal building. There is some value to kicking it in that situation. I think we may look back and say, man, hey, we're glad to know he can do that in a game situation because we might need it. Yeah, first time he trots out there and he has to make a 53-yarder, you don't want that to be the first time he's taken the 53-yarder. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think that was a big play also. Charlie, looking back at the game, I thought, you know, we talk about the kicking game, talk about Georgeopolis getting that ball inside the one yard at the one-yard line yesterday. You talk about Tulu and the kicking game. Our special teams yesterday was pretty good. It was was a clean game from a special team game-wise. I thought our offensive line, of course, Dollar Bill went down, rolled an ankle. Don't know the extent. You know, it, it didn't appear to be as bad. Of course, you have no idea because we're not anywhere close to that. But I thought our offensive line yesterday, I thought Cole Smith, 66 plays, Nick Jones, I, you know, all these guys that play, Percy Lewis played yesterday, played well, Quinston Sharp. I thought for the most – part will was able to throw the football effectively yesterday because he had a clean pocket he was dealing with yeah and we also saw 40 plays out of Lasoya at guard and we didn't expect to see that coming in and I thought he held up pretty well I think he allowed one hurry maybe you got some contributions you had to make some shuffles around along the offensive line and I thought we responded to that pretty well yeah and along those lines one of the guys I guess we'll talk about the guys we talked about in the game in the Friday deep dig about the two players to watch. The first guy I was watching was number 11, and that was Carl Brooks. He played 29 plays yesterday, 26 against the pass. 
And he was the guy who had led Bowling Green coming into the game with 15 hurries. So he had been really good in the pass rush situation. He batted down one ball yesterday. He had one tackle yesterday and zero hurries. We said one of the big keys of the game was keeping Carl Brooks out of the backfield. We did a really good job with him. I think that's a point worth noting because even though we have this tendency to want to say, well, it's just Bowling Green, the one thing Bowling Green was pretty good at coming in this ballgame was having some guys who could get to the quarterback. I thought their ends were legitimate players. I thought we did a good job on them. Yeah, they had 12 sacks coming in, top 10 in the country in sacks. They led to Mack in sacks coming into the game. Second guy I talked about was Odu Hilaire, the transfer from Alabama A&M, and he had really been the go-to guy. He had a catch in 25 straight games coming into the game yesterday. They were only allowed to target him four times. He caught two balls yesterday for 21 yards. And so he had been the guy who had gotten loose on some long catches in the last couple of weeks. He had three touchdowns in his last two games coming in. And we really kept uh, Odu Hilaire number one in check big time yesterday. Yeah, I thought so. And so those two guys, you know, nobody killed us. Uh, you look at it, my guys, one of them didn't play. He certainly didn't kill us. Wanted to keep Christian Sims from hurting us. He didn't. Uh, Sims is the big tight end, 6'4", 240 guy who had been a weapon in their offense. I mean, being this consistent guy, four or five catches a game, doesn't play yesterday. Probably worth noting, he wasn't the only guy that didn't play yesterday. Bart, you noted that the fact that the head coach wasn't here, Sims didn't play, starting quarterback didn't play. Yeah, McDonald, McDonald didn't play. He was a late scratch right before the game started. McDonald, the starting quarterback, he was injured a little bit, came up limping against Marshall late in that game against Marshall last week. And so they go with Ortho yesterday, who was the backup quarterback. So here's a team coming in at Bowling Green yesterday. And this is not to take anything away from our win because I'm not taking anything away. I'm not saying anything that couldn't be positive this morning, Charlie. But Bowling Green didn't have their head coach. They didn't have their starting quarterback. They didn't have their top tight end in the game and so they did have some missing pieces in the game yesterday but that being said we did all we could do against that team we four six three and outs and so uh, you can only play the people who are out there um, the other guy that I mentioned was Teron Keith the running back who's big in the passing game two carries six yards two receptions six yards he was a complete non-factor in the ball game and so you say you know Bowling Green having these guys out was a big deal and it was but the guys they had available didn't make plays either and a lot of their guys who normally would have been weapons didn't do anything to hurt us no all in all hey we did what we could do yesterday well they drove down flew down yeah they flew down flew down from toledo ohio bowling green ohio they came in we showed up and we did what we thought we needed to do yeah so all told I'm reasonably happy, and now it's time to get ready for – oh, hey, one note on one of our guys, Jordan Davis back out there a little bit yesterday. That was good to see. He got after the quarterback, had three hurries. Sherman Thames was getting after the quarterback. I thought for the most part defensively, uh, we we played pretty well. Other than, of course, look, I get it. We had the, the long touchdown drive, which just kind of eats at you. Offense answered. The other touchdown, we had a lot of different guys in there. That's one thing. If you look at the participation chart, that kind of tells you one story in terms of number of guys who played. But what it kind of doesn't get into, though, is the how many guys played that much. We got guys a lot more snaps yesterday 
than they have been getting in prior weeks. Yep. And that was game one of three at a three-game homestand. Did you watch A&M in Arkansas last night? Bits and pieces, enough to know that uh, Max Johnson, while maybe not the greatest passer in the world, his legs caused me some concern. And, hey, if you look at that LSU game last year when he came in as a starting quarterback at LSU, what was the thing you took away from that game? We got to him a few times and just couldn't get him down, and he made a good pass or he made a good run in that game last year. And so that's going to be a big key for us next week. Hey, here's the thing I took away from last night, watching Arkansas and A&M. Both those teams are beatable, without doubt. Don't you feel like, though, looking at the league right now, you've got Georgia – a little bit in behind them, maybe Alabama. And I'm not sure how far behind, but you've got two teams. But then in the middle, there's a big group of teams who could beat you or get beat by you, and it all just depends on which day of the week it is. I mean, I'm absolutely convinced if we play LSU again, we can win that game. I'm absolutely convinced we can beat Kentucky, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Auburn. I'm also convinced we can lose to some of them. I think there's a lot of parity in this league outside the top couple. Yeah, Auburn, you talk about getting lucky yesterday. They got lucky. Missouri missed a 26-yard field goal and had some chances, and Auburn wins in overtime. And then, you know, last night, Arkansas, Texas A&M, Kentucky had its troubles against Northern Illinois last night. Miami had a lot of trouble with Middle Tennessee State. Of course, that's outside of the league. Hey, Texas is not back. Shocking, isn't it? Completely. And what about Oklahoma losing to Kansas State? How do you think they feel today? That's always going to happen. I mean, Oklahoma's going to lose a game every year that you sit there and say, what in the world happened? Hey, Tulane beat Kansas State last week. Who lost to Southern Miss last night? Tulane got beat by Southern. So Southern Miss is better than Oklahoma. (laughs) Is that how it works? The, The transitive property alive and well in football. Yep. Hey, enjoyed it. Appreciate you joining us. So, for Charlie Winfield, once again, thanks to our great sponsors, Farm Bureau. Go with the home team at Farm Bureau. Check them out at favorites.com. Our good friends at Trax Plus. Trax Plus with five locations now. Three in the state of Mississippi in Starkville, Columbus, Hickory, and Summit. Then Alexandria, Louisiana, and now Bessemer, Alabama. Our good friends at Cannon Ford of Starkville. Cannon Ford. Country Pleasing Sausage. I had some country pleasing to go along with my strange brew coffee this morning. Country pleasing. Three new flavors now, the crawfish and pork. I've had a lot of folks say that stuff is awesome. I haven't tried it yet. The habanero, if you like something that's hot. And then the duck and pork, also three new flavors. But just go back to the old original. It's good stuff. Pineapple and pork, jalapeno cheddar, whatever you you think. Andouille, it's all good stuff. Our good friends at Country Pleasing. And they're catering more and more at Country Meat Packers. They can smoke a bunch of ribs. If you got a bunch of people coming over, up to 500 people, you need to feed 500 people some ribs, hey, Country Pleasing. They got those big old smokers. They can get it ready for you. So go by and see our good friends at Country Pleasing. And once again, Bank First, a better way to bank, bankfirstfs.com for all your lending needs, personal loans, home refinance, home mortgage, Whatever you're in the market for in the banking world, go by and see our friends at Bank First. Go to bankfirstfs.com. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us here on Sunday Coffee.